Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. As I introduced myself earlier, my name is Trent, and um, when we're done here, uh, if you're a guest with us or maybe you have questions that the sermon stirs up, I'd love to meet you. I'll be right down here by the coffee pot. You can refill your coffee before you walk outside and shiver to death on the way to, uh, on the, way to the car. Uh, normally, at this point, I get the privilege of opening the Bible, but today, um, Byron Weathersby is going to open the Bible for us. Um, he and his wife, Carla... I did our marriage retreat this past weekend, uh, or this this weekend. Uh, did an incredible job, and uh, they have been married for just knocking on the door forty years. They have been in marriage ministry for thirty something years. I knew Byron back when I was a student, a collegiate student, and had hair and stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he hasn't changed much. Me, on the other hand, uh, you know, whatever. So, uh, would you join me in welcoming Byron Weathersby as he opens God's word with us? Thank you, Trent. Thank you, Trent. I tell you what, I have known Trent since he was in college and he, he was just one of those college students that, that God has had his hand on. And you knew he was anointed then, and I had the privilege of watching him move into and serving as a ministry that Louis Giglio had started, and then Trent took it over, and thousands of college students would come, Trent would proclaim proclaim the word of God, and he, he was just... He's just a cut above, and it's been fun to watch him. I know you are pleased to have him as your pastor. And those of you who are looking for a church, that's the kind of guy I want pastoring me. He's real, he's honest, he's goofy, he's fun. And, and uh, he has aged a lot more than I have, I'm sure. <laughs> it's been a privilege to be with uh, you this last two days. But I'm telling you, i got to get back to Waco. It's cold at the coast. No one told me it was going to be this cold when I came down here to NASA land. It's, it's cold on the moon. Man, i tell you what. Today, I, I want every person, men, women, children, I, I want, as when you walk out these doors, I, I want our time of worship to encourage you, to challenge you, and hopefully take a look at leaving a legacy, that, that God would speak to you right where you're at here's what all of us have in common we will all leave a legacy some some good some bad some up some down some the way we planned some to our families some to our co-workers some to our neighbors we will all leave a legacy we're all in need of a savior Every one of us that have come through these doors, we're all in need of a Savior. And the third thing that I know about all of us that have in common in this room is that all of us here have showed up. Or you have come online. And we're here. And so let's allow this morning the Holy Spirit to fall fresh on us. To to speak a word to us. To to give us something as we take a look at expecting to leave a legacy. My original title was this, Two Unexpected Women Soon Expecting to Deliver the Motherload Legacy That Will Change the World. And I thought, well, that's a little long for a title. So then I shortened it to Motherload Legacy. And then I realized some of you are not old enough to know what a load is, L-O-D-E. You know what a load is? If you take a rock formation... In that rock formation, 
the, 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 the vein that runs through that, the load that runs through that, oftentimes was, was a precious metal like gold or silver. <clears throat> in the gold rush in California back in the day, in the 1800s, it was called a mother load whenever there was large deposits of gold that were in these uh, <clears throat> ge- the, 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 the geography of the world and the land and the dirt and the rocks. This gold that was there was considered the, the mother load. And this morning, I think, as we look at Luke chapter 1, turn in your Bibles if you brought a copy of God's Word, turn to Luke chapter 1 as we take a look at Elizabeth and Mary, I think you'll understand why I wanted to title this a mother load legacy. It's good for us to do character studies from time to time and I I would encourage you to dive deeper into Elizabeth and Mary this week. Elizabeth, you know, uh, many of you know, is the mother of John the Baptist. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Also, if you will allow me to be a little more personal this morning, I, I, I think it might help us to be, to be practical. So let me tell you about my family. My, my wife is here, Carla, and I'm going to spend this morning talking a little bit about my mother-in-law, Carla's mother. Carla and I had the privilege of, of leading the, the conference this weekend. We have three children, two of those three are married, and then we are blessed to have five grandchildren. All four of our parents have gone to be with Jesus in the last 10 years. And this morning, I want to beat into Carla's legacy to help you practically understand what God is doing in and through the world. My mother-in-law, Barbara, she died in 2018. And, and she's blessed to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. I, I had a good relationship with her. In fact, I was the favorite son-in-law. Not, not much competition. There was only one other son-in-law that, that I had any competition with. And hands down, he, yeah, I was the favorite. <clears throat> Barbara, my, my, my wife's mom, would be the first to tell you that, that she was not perfect nor did she have a storybook life. In fact, she was a common day Job and really struggled in life. And her life was full of challenges and tests and hardships. And and yet she faced it oftentimes with confidence and hope. But many days were filled with insecurity as she navigated life. And and she navigated it well. She she grew up in an abusive home. Her her mother was mean-spirited. I don't know that she physically was abused, but verbally she was definitely abused by this controlling and, and, and well, just tough woman that raised her. This, among other things, caused Barbara to start abusing prescription drugs. And and, and to be honest, the reality of Carla's mom, she, she went through rehab twice. And as you can imagine, it was a, a life that was tough, not only for Barbara, but also for Carla and her four siblings as, as they grew up in Louisiana. I've mentioned, and some of you may be from Louisiana, Carla is, is just now learning to read. <laughs> just kidding, those of you who are from Louisiana, I love the great state of Louisiana because it gave me my wife. And if I didn't pick a little bit at the people from Louisiana, it would be fun. This morning, 
I, I want you to, to, to see biblically and, and personally how God can do anything with a surrendered life and a willing heart. God can do anything with a surrendered life and a willing heart. Even when life is messy. Even when life is not how we lined it up and thought it would be. And as we study, well, mainly we're going to look at two verses. We're going to beat in on those two verses because I think that is the, 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 the rich gold nuggets of truth about Mary and Elizabeth. And, and, and before we leave here, I want you to understand three things. One, it's bigger than our story. Two, but we must live in our story. And, and three, so we trust Jesus' story that it becomes our story. Before we take a look at Elizabeth and Mary's story in, in Luke 1, let me give you a little bit of background. Look at, look at our text in Luke 1. Dr. Luke, who had carefully researched and studied the accounts of Jesus, and as a physician, it was important to him that he got things right, especially the story of the Messiah. Maybe that's why God used him as the only Gentile to write any part of the New Testament. He then goes on to foretell the birth of John the Baptist. Let, let me set the stage even more before Luke 1. God had been silent for 400 years. That's, that's almost twice as long as America has, has, has been around. We, we can't even fathom when, when God doesn't do the miraculous in, in, in a week or two or a month, especially if he goes silent for a year. We get discouraged. But we're talking four hundred years of silence so when God breaks the silence of 400 years he sends his angel Gabriel to call those around uh, to, 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 to be a part of his great plan that he's fixing to work who does he choose an old priestly couple who had trouble getting pregnant and a young obscure girl whose family had prearranged her to marry the man of her dad's dreams. <laughs> Not even the man of her dreams. The man of her dad. Because it's prearranged. <clears throat> and he hits the mother load with these two unexpected women in scripture. All of this took place in Judea when Herod was king. The old priest's name was Zechariah and he was married to Elizabeth. As I said earlier, they struggled with infertility. Probably for about 25 to 30 years. She went through many days crying out to the Lord to provide a child in, well into her old age. Now, now Zachariah's credentials would seem to, to position him as a person that was powerfully used by God. He, he's a priest. He's, he's a law keeper. He is seasoned, Scripture says, he is seasoned like Abraham. Look at verse 6. Luke 1 verse 6 says, both of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands. They were blameless. One day, Zacharias was performing his priestly duties of going into the temple and burn incense while the assembled worshipers were outside. And look, 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 look what verse 11 says. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, 
Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. The angel Gabriel told him, he'll be a joy and a delight to you. And, and, and many will rejoice. In fact, he'll be used to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. And the disobedient will turn their lives around. His highest calling will be to prepare the way of the Lord. Look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. <laughs> and my wife is, well, she's along in her years. I love what he does there. I'm an old man. Ooh, but I'm not about to call her old. I'm an old man, and and, and, and my wife is well along in her years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you his good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the the people were waiting for Zechariah outside. And when he came out, he couldn't speak. But they knew, they knew he had been given a vision of God. Six months into her pregnancy, that same angel, Gabriel, who was sent then to marry a young, unwed, single woman who was engaged to be married, to be married. And, 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 and Gabriel says to Mary, greetings, you, you're highly favored. The, the Lord is with you. She was thoroughly shaken by what he said. And, and, and he goes on to tell her, you're about to conceive a son, not just any son. You're about to conceive Jesus, the son of the most high God, the Messiah. Then she questions Gabriel, but, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. I, I, I know how a child comes into this world, and I'm not yet married. Look at verse 35. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. What God says will always come true, and this is some crazy stuff that he's saying. And because she believed it, she could say with confidence, our key verse, verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Then verse 38, Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. May your word be fulfilled. Mary believed God. She she would need to remember these promises when everything about the journey would cause her doubt. And you're going to see in her story, there was some tough days, messy days. The first point I want you to see is this. It's bigger than our story. It's bigger than our story. For for no word from God will ever fail. It, It would be easy to think that these two miraculous pregnancies 
were for Elizabeth and for Mary. Of course, we all know the account of John the Baptist foretelling about Jesus. So we now know that the bigger story was about the Messiah coming to seek and save the lost. But for Mary and Elizabeth, at that time, becoming the mother of these two, they thought it was just really about their welfare and the welfare of their family. Or so they thought. Elizabeth, who was well into her age, an older woman struggling with infertility her whole days, and Mary, a young teenager that was unwed and that was a virgin, yet no word from God, no word from God will ever fail. It's easy to think that it's just about me or it's just about my family. It's easy to think about all the things I have to do this week, the busy week I have in front of me, all the things that I have to get done. It's easy to think that I bring God into my life instead of me joining his life. We learn from Elizabeth and her her husband Zechariah that they did all the things right. They, They were righteous and blameless. Yet they couldn't have a child year after year after year. They, they had the but God moments. But, but God, I've served you faithfully. How, how can I be sure of this? I, I'm an old man well into my years. But, but God, I, old men don't raise children. But, but God, how is she? But, but God. We learn the same from Mary. But, but God, I'm a virgin. But God, how can this be? The the, the community's going to scorn me. They're going to make fun of me. This doesn't make sense. But but God. Yet God's angel shows up to both with a specific word and reminder, I stand in the presence of God. It's a good reminder for us. God will get his work done. And we stand in the presence of a holy God. You know, in spite of my mother-in-law's horrific childhood, it would have been really easy for her to say, but God, but God, my life's a, a mess. All is lost. Yet the Holy Spirit sent a word from God through an unexpected messenger. When she was 15, she lived in Beaumont, and everything changed. A group of recent Baylor University students came to lead a youth revival in Beaumont, Texas, where Barbara was attending high school. You see, in the late 1940s, after World War II had ended, a group of about three or four Baylor students began to pray that that God would bring revival and heal the land. Interestingly, Reggie Hashisaki, a, a gentleman that Carla and I got to know at Columbus Avenue Baptist Church, When he was a Japanese-American student, he was the leader that gathered those two or three that grew to 10 or 12, that grew, that grew, that grew. And trust me, in 1945, a Japanese student was not the most trusted to bring hope to the world. Yet as this group of people prayed, revival broke out. 
Something they couldn't stop. This person started coming to faith in Christ and this person. Then they started having these tent meetings. Then they started having these tent revivals. And some would even claim that the Youth for Christ movement, that of which Billy Graham came out of, was a result of what God started in that dorm room with three or four praying. Thousands of young people started coming to these tent revivals. and They started having them all over Texas and all over the U.S., I want you to fast forward to 1948 and Beaumont, a recent graduate, Howard E. Butts Jr. Yep, the son of the founder of the largest Texas-based HEB grocery chain. And everybody said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Howard E. Butts Jr., the son of the founder of HEB, was in Beaumont, Texas, leading a youth revival. And in those days, they would go from door to door and share Christ. And one of Barbara Jean Whitlock's neighbors said, you really need to go visit this girl. She could use a friend. He goes, knocks on the door. She answers the door and he says, I understand you need a friend. She almost immediately burst into tears and said, how did you know? Howard Butts then proceeds to tell her that friends on this earth will let you down. But I've found a friend in Jesus, and Jesus' promise to me is he's not going to leave and he's not going to forsake. Howard Butts shared a simple plan of salvation, and my mother-in-law, Barbara, put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the one true God She'd been born again at age 15. As he was leaving, right before he got into the car, he turned around and said, will you share your testimony tonight? And she said, sure. And then she ran out to the car and tapped on the window and said, hey, what's a testimony? (laughs) When she was retelling this story, over and over towards the end of her days, I asked her, I said, what verse did he share with you? And she looked at me kind of like, oh, John 3.16. John 3.16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he... That then him should what? Whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have... Eternal, everlasting, forever and ever and everlasting life. And as she prayed a simple prayer asking Jesus to be the center of her her life, this shy, quiet 15-year-old stood in front of a thousand plus junior high and high school students and recounted the story of what God had done in her life. Towards the end of her days, Carla and I sat at her bedside that last week. I bet she told this story over and over and over and over. And she talked about the one true God. That she was excited to meet him. And that one day, all of this stuff. This is almost 70 years later. (laughs) And she was so eager... She was so eager to be in a place 
where she'd never be lonely, where she wouldn't face financial struggles, where she didn't have to deal with the physical pain or the physical or the emotional and mental struggles that her, her young daughter had struggled with, Carla's sister. She knew that her friend Jesus had gone before and prepared a place for her. She was saved. She had hope. She knew the end of the book. She knew where she was going. But she still had to live 65 plus years on this earth through the messy, through the muck, through the mire. She had heard God's voice. She had heard God speak to her. But she still had a responsibility to navigate the maze of life, which leads us to our second point. But we must live in our story. Carla's mom, those 68 years as a Christ follower, were filled with joy and sorrow. Blessing. The blessing of five beautiful kids, nine healthy grandkids. She literally, her and Carla's dad, literally redirected and transformed a legacy. All of her children are believers and the grandchildren are, 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 are Christ followers. She experienced the death of a child. She had problems. She was in and out of drug rehab. The ups and downs that life just kind of takes all of us. We're not immune. We don't get a hall pass. Jesus told his followers in John 16, and we talked about this in our last session yesterday. In this world, you will have trouble. Life comes at us hard, fast, and continuously. As as Christ's followers, you, you, you don't get an exemption. You don't get the hall pass. You've got to live in your story. We must live in our story. It's amazing what God can do with a surrendered life and a willing heart. Mary, she got it. At a young age, she said in verse 38, I I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Well, what what does a servant do? In the New Testament, we we all know that a servant performs work for someone else's home. Servant is different from slave. The servant's relationship into a onto a master is is voluntary. The slave's is not. And Jesus reminds us in John 15: a servant is not greater than his master. See, both Elizabeth and Mary recognized that that they must perform the task in their homeland that God had given them. They must live in the story given to them. Not just for nine months, but 33 plus years. And they knew that Jesus' words of John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Following the voice of God doesn't mean that you live the Jimmy Buffett life. It doesn't mean that you put your life on autopilot. We have a responsibility to live in holy wonder, being obedient. So lastly, we trust his story becomes our story. Let me, let me read to you what Matthew Henry writes in this commentary on Luke 130. Matthew Henry says, Fear not, Mary. I have no other design than to assure you 
that you have found favor with God more than you think. You found favor with God more than you think. As there are many who think they're more favored with God than they really are. Mary and Elizabeth trusted that God was weaving his story into their story. They didn't have all the answers, not knowing how things might turn out, but they trusted the messenger, as Gabriel said. They risked being ridiculed of the scandal, the the rejection that might take place, but they allowed their story to tell a bigger story. As they would ultimately watch their sons brutally tortured and murdered. Both of their sons. But only one of them would rise again. One foretold that that would happen. And it's a bigger story that John the Baptist talked about. And he talked about it often. The one that he used to turn the hearts of parents to their children. And the disobedient to repentance. Why? Because Jesus is alive and he's coming back. And that's the bigger story. What a privilege for our lives to tell that story. As messed up and jacked up as my life is, it still is interweaved with the story of a bigger picture of what God's doing. And my life gets to give a correct opinion of who he is. My marriage gets to give a correct opinion of who he is. Your family life, as, 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 as dysfunctional as it might be, is powerfully used to tell and give a correct opinion of a holy God. You know, because my wife's mom said yes to Jesus and joined God's story, the next generation, all of her grown kids know Christ. Interestingly, our son, Carla's son, Barbara's grandson, Bo, And Howard E. Butt's granddaughter met at Baylor and they were a part of helping start a ministry called Vertical that has touched the lives of thousands of students over the last 15 years. From one generation, the name of the Lord will be exalted. The same one true God that spoke to and used Gabriel to speak to Mary and Elizabeth that used Howard E. Butts to talk to my mother-in-law. You can't make those kinds of things up. Jim Dennison makes sense of it when he says, we can never know the future significance of present obedience. We can never know the future significance of present obedience. God can do anything with a surrendered life and a willing heart. God can do anything with a surrendered life and a a willing heart. My mother-in-law, her testimony, her story is evidence of that. Your marriage, your family, your, your teenage life, just like Mary, a teenager who was willing to say, here's my life. Use me. You see, it's bigger than our story. But we must live in our story so that we trust that our, his story becomes our story. We trust that his story is interweaved in and through our lives so that our story 
becomes his story. Let's pray together. You know, you come to this part of a service, and as the band prompts us to worship, I, I, I just want you to take some time to, to reflect. There's going to be some people back at the back. Trent's going to be down here by the coffee, and, 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 and they're here to minister to you. Maybe you need healing emotionally, physically. Maybe your marriage needs healing. Maybe your, your life needs hope. You just need encouragement. Maybe you're here for the first time and, and you need Jesus. And the simple truth that God so loved the world, He loves you. And He gave His one and only Son so that if you believe in Him, you're not going to perish. You're, you're, you're going to have an everlasting life. Folks would like to talk to you about those decisions that you're making. People would like to pray for you, pray encouragement into your life. But I want us to go ahead and stand and reverently continue just to stand, if you will, now and, 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 and reflect on what it is that God wants to say to you and speak to you. God, speak to us. Fall fresh on us. Help us to be encouraged and challenged by your word. Thank you, God, that you are in the saving business and that your bigger story is above all of the stuff. You've overcome the world, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for what you have done in and through Elizabeth and Mary, John the Baptist, that it all points to Jesus. And Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection transforms who we are. And for that, we're grateful. And we reflect on that this morning.